Welcome to the Weekly Beat by Mansa with your hosts Arnold Segawa, Maggie Mutesi, and Dumi Jere, giving you all the info on Africa's big finance and economic stories. The Weekly Beat by Mansa. A very warm welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for joining us this afternoon for yet another edition of the Weekly Bits. And this time around, we are going to the gas and oil sector. My name is Maggie Umotesi, and of course, as usual, I'm not alone. We're joined by uh, Dumi Jere in South Africa. But before I come to you, Dumi, uh, I have with me the Executive Director of the Global Gas Center, a very timely conversation, especially now that we're speaking about resilience in commodities dependent countries. Very good to have you on the show. Hello, everybody. Very happy to be with you today and ready to answer uh, your questions. (laughs) Thank you very much. Dumi, how are you? How is your afternoon? I'm good. I'm good. Excited to be here. Welcome, uh, Valerie. Looking forward to chatting. I think I just want to kick this off very much. So I've been going through the Global Gas Center and all the work that you have been doing uh, globally. But when we uh, talk about resilience or when we talk about um, uh, being able to get countries self-sufficient, especially those that depend on oil and gas, how do we transition from this? And what would you say from the conversations that you've had since yesterday? First of all, I would like to present the Global Gas Center, which is an association based in Switzerland. We represent the private sector in the the gas uh, areas. The members are companies, utilities from all around the world. And the idea is really to share experience, to share best practice, to share knowledge, because I think that we are in a sector where knowledge is important, new technologies and innovation is key for the energy transition. So this is um, what we are doing. We have different partnerships with uh, research institutes in Germany, in Asia, uh, in the US, and really, it's very important for the private sector to exchange with academics, with researchers, in order to pave the way for the future and especially for a low-carbon future. So this is the idea of our application. And uh, moreover, we have a special partnership with uh, UNCTAD. And during the last two days, we had a conversation during the Global Commodities Forum. And yesterday, we had a great session on oil and gas. And uh, the Global Gas Center was a partner of this uh, very interesting session. So really, for us, it's important to bear in mind that... um, We are partners for this uh, energy transition. I would say the private sector is really key elements because they are, I would say, on the field operators. The same time you have governments, regulators, that are very important, and the policymakers. Mm. And at the same time, you have international organizations, associations that made the link between these uh, different communities and I think it's key for the success. I mean, you've touched on a few things, Valerie. I mean, for me, it would be interesting to know, um, especially if speaking from a continent that has a lot of oil-producing countries, um, what are some of the key factors to point out as we look at this energy transition? Of course, we've heard of policy, we've heard of uh, capacity, but 
from your standpoint view, what are some of the things we really need to critically think through or put at the forefront as we're looking at this transition also not to be able to destabilize our economies? Yeah. First of all, I would like to say that uh, Africa has huge potential in the oil and gas Mm. and all the countries need to monetize these reserves. That's key. Uh, You have countries that are well advanced. I would say, if I can say uh, Egypt, if I can say Nigeria or South Africa or Mozambique with a lot of reserves. And it's important nowadays to spread this gas because you have the reserve, you need to export And you need to build the infrastructure inside the countries, inside the continents, throughout your countries to develop your economy. And it will help absolutely to diversify your economy. That's, for me, the key element. Diversification, and I would say gas, is a key element to support economic diversification through industrialization and to produce enough electricity for your entire continent. Electricity is a key for the development, but you need also to foster fiscal and incentives for investors. Otherwise, we stay with the resources without exploiting Mm. uh, uh, all that thing. So for me, the policymakers, the fiscal environment, the capacity building, the workforce are key to move forward and to exploit the gas and produce electricity as much as you want for your own demand and for exporting as well. That could be something very yeah. important mm. uh, for the future. Okay. Valerie, you mentioned something about uh, partnerships not so long ago just now. And obviously, um, for these projects on this continent to be viable, they need to also be technically Uh, commercially, as well as uh, environmentally robust, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So are we seeing a lot more partnerships between uh, the public as well as the private sector and not forgetting the communities? Because I would assume if I'm staying in an area or in a country, I'm part of the community and therefore um, whoever is extracting oil or gas uh, from our country Surely as the community, I should also benefit. So maybe we should call them triple P partnerships. Do you see uh, that as something that more countries are now open to within the continent? What are your thoughts around that? I think your continent relies uh, that partnership is a key element for success. I had uh, very close contact with the NEPAD Foundation in, in South Africa, and I think they are ready with their gas master plan to build partnership with the private sector, with the governments, with associations, with the communities. And I think if, you, if we want to... To, to be successful in the project or if you build an uh, infrastructure pipeline, for example, or LNG terminal, you need to yeah. be inclusive. And inclusive means to have everybody on board. I mean the politician, the local communities, the governments, the investors, call the companies. We cannot bring uh, anything if we don't include all the different partners. And I think in, that, in Africa, um, the momentum is ready. Frankly, that's what I'm seeing from 
in many countries, uh, you have this partnership that is uh, going on. If we see in Egypt, if we see in Nigeria, uh, the, the recently the president of Nigeria called the, the decade of gas in Nigeria uh, really yes. to industrialize Nigeria. And uh, I would say uh, gas is really the best commodity to develop and meet the growing demand of electricity that you have. Uh, yeah. But to build and to develop infrastructure, you need to have this inclusive approach uh, with the communities, as you mentioned. That's very important. I mean, Jumi, I don't know what you think, but when Valerie speaks, uh, there's something that comes to my mind that um, where is Africa on the global gas scale like? I would say, uh, just to pick up some example and to highlight some country, because that's very important. First of all, you need to develop some areas and some parts. You need to build some ports. You need to uh, produce more uh, electricity for the developments and to depollute urban area mm. uh, and air air pollution. That's very important in the big cities. And for example, uh, just, just an example of concrete uh, progress uh, in Egypt, uh, of course, the big cities. And uh, for example, there are currently 300 compressed natural gas stations for the um, transportations. By 2022, they want to reach 1,000. It means to depollute Cairo and other big cities, I would say to invest in natural gas vehicles, mm. could be maritime transport. This is key things that will happen easily as you have the resources. So for me, um, Africa has, has a great potential to move forward in the energy transition. You are absolutely well, Africa is not lagging behind. Of course not. So for me, we are at an stage where all the actors are ready to act. Um, we see that in, in our continent, most projects around the oil and gas tend to then be targeted by, call them insurgents or these um, groups that uh, are seeking to destabilize uh, different markets or different um, countries in the continent. Is this something that's just unique to Africa or it's also prevalent world over? And if it's unique only to Africa, then what could be the recourse around that to ensure security, one of the employees, as well as um, the communities that live around where these explorations are? Uh, you see, this problem of security is huge and it's very important, but it's up to the local uh, government to secure their country. Uh, otherwise, of course, you, we cannot, uh, the, 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 the companies cannot operate if it's not in a secure way. I'm just, I just want to give you an example of uh, a country outside Africa just to illustrate what's going on. There's a big project of a pipeline between Turkmenistan, Afghanistan, Pakistan, India. It's called TAPI. Because uh, Turkmenistan has huge reserves of gas and, of course, India needs the gas for its development. So you have to cross these two countries. And with a recent development in Afghanistan, you have to build the pipe and you now have to deal with the Taliban's. So these things, uh, so they promise to, to make things move and not to stop the project for the interest of the population. 
We always have to bear in mind that the oil and gas sector is for the benefit of the population. So even the Taliban, that's, uh, uh, they want to, to, <laughs> to give electricity and to industrialize Afghanistan. And I think it's the same. And it's a region where the security, we could have, uh, uh, it could emerge some problems. Mm. But we, you really need to, to tackle this issue of what is a benefit for the population. Uh, of course, if it's completely insecure, uh, we see total energy uh, in Mozambique, uh, they will be back and continue the project as uh, soon as the security is in place. You will never have staff working and workers uh, if it's in an insecure uh, uh, places. But uh, I really hope and count on African countries to, the, the, to, to tackle this issue because it's key. I mean, that's, that's interesting to hear, especially uh, about Afghanistan, Adumi, and a lot of these countries, obviously, uh, those that are rich, uh, unfortunately, sometimes have a lot of insecurity when it comes to that. But the risk seems to be huge for investors. Um, and I think that's where you weigh in to see, you know, um, uh, what is the future. And now that we are even transitioning into clean energy away from this, does it pose a threat to less investments into the sector or is it actually a massive investment that will be required? I mean, that's another question we need to find out. And where does it leave some of these African countries? For sure, investors, they want to have stabilities. Uh, they need to have a framework where they can invest and see that uh, in the next uh, coming weeks or months, uh, mm -hmm. there will be a stable uh, framework uh, for their operation. For sure, it's, it's, it's a key element. There's two things. You have the security, I would say, on the field, uh, which means uh, to secure the population, to secure the geographic areas. That's one point. And the second is uh, the legal framework. Because for investors, that's something very important. If every six months you change a legal framework, nobody will arrive. So that's something, there's two things. Uh, and the third thing is the capacity building, the population. If you have these three elements, uh, of course, the resources that you have, I think it's uh, the good signal um, that's a good signal because I would say the energy demand is here. The demand is here. The market is here in Africa. So you need really to secure the entire value chain from the exploration production field till the, the end consumer. Mm, mm, mm. Now, um, I think in probably rounding it off, um, my last um, well, contribution is around it's very difficult to have a conversation around uh, oil and gas um, exploration, extraction, and value addition, and all of that without addressing the elephant in the room, and that is the effects of all of these things on climate. We've got the COP26 coming up. Well, maybe uh, if it's not postponed to next year, as some groups want it, that to be done. As African countries move towards um, value addition and exploring as well as uh, diversifying from uh, oil and gas, what are some of the things that can be taken into consideration or kept in mind around how that affects the climate? 
Yes, we have to tackle the climate issue. Uh, I would say, I would mention uh, four elements, uh, especially for Africa. The first thing is to make things move uh, regarding the switch from coal to gas, because I would say it's the first option and this is the substitution mm. uh, switching. It, it has saved around uh, already um, 500 million ton of CO2 just uh, since uh, 2010 to switch from coal to gas. So this is the first thing, and it's easily it, we, it can be done easily, and even for Africa. The third thing is di- to diversify the economy. Um, one focus could be uh, the, the, the creation of value-added uh, and non-combustion hydrocarbon industries. For instance, fossil fuels can be consumed, not, uh, not combusted, but they are used directly as construction materials, chemicals, feedstock, lubricants, solvents, etc. That's something very important. Diversify the economy. The third thing is to exploit the potential of hydrogen. And uh, I would say hydrogen is a third option because investment in low-carbon hydrogen with natural gas, that's something to bear in mind and it's the future because there are many countries uh, in Europe, in, in, in Japan, in uh, Australia that move forward in this direction and Africa, you have the resources. So uh, having hydrogen with uh, uh, natural gas is something that can be done easily. And the fourth thing is leverage industry uh, skills. Uh, I would say the oil and gas sector has built extensive large-scale engineering and project management capabilities over the past years. And this experience can be really uh, put to good use to develop the technology of the futures. And I can mention, yes, I've already mentioned uh, natural gas. I can mention biogas. I think Africa has a huge potential to develop biogas with waste management. That's something very important. Uh, Low carbon hydrogen uh, and, of course, renewables energy. But uh, for me, you have all the right ingredients uh, to make things move and to really uh, be... um, proud of what you will say and your delegation in the, during the COP meeting. Domi, thank you very much. I think we had a very limited time and that brings us to the end of it's very important. Uh, key things for me that are very crucial to point out have been uh, capacity building and the fact that uh, you know um, we have the potential. Uh, again still remains regardless of this transition they're still very profitable and for me that's very key especially on such a podcast that is focusing on private sector and to everyone listening thank you very much for keeping it um, Mansa and um, Domi thanks a lot for joining in Miss Valerie thank you so much it was a pleasure wonderful insights and uh, so much we've learned in the oil and gas sector I hope we'll have you here again very soon Uh, That brings us to this uh, episode of uh, the Weekly Beat. Thanks. My name is Maggie Omotesi and we'll leave it here. Check out our latest on uh, mansamedia.africa on all our social for the updates for the breaking news on our social media at mansamedia underscore. Thanks a lot and have a wonderful, wonderful day. The Weekly Beat by Mansa with your hosts, Arnold Segawa. 
Maggie Mutesi, and Dumi Jerry, giving you all the info on Africa's big finance and economic stories. The Weekly Beat by Mansa.